everyone and welcome to another episode of You've Gotta See This, your guide to what's playing now in diving board and the deep end of all things movies. I'm your host Brad, joined by my co-host Blake. Blake, how was the past couple of weeks at the movies for you? It's been great at the movies, great on streaming, great in the gaming world. It's just like overloaded with amazing uh, entertainment options right now. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, every movie that we're going to talk about today, which we have a bunch of movies to catch up on, we've been very busy with uh, watching stuff and life going on and... We're trying to keep up as much as we can, but we've got uh, we've got five movies, I think, today that we're talking about. It's either four or five. Um, it's a lot. So before we get to that, let's talk about some big pieces of news, mainly some trailers that came out over the past couple of weeks that are really, really interesting, at least. <laughs> so first off, I want to talk about the Transformers Rise of the Beasts trailer. Is that the title of it? Rise of the Beasts? Yeah, sure. Yeah, whatever the hell this is. Um, so this time around, we have Anthony Ramos leading the the human characters, um, which I like him a lot. But I mean, really, you're gonna do this instead of something else? Get, like, get the bag. Yeah, I guess, man. Yeah, more money to him, sure, absolutely. I just hope that he's more picky with his roles as as his career goes on. Well, I mean, that's not always the Transformers movies aren't always like a indicator of someone's career. Sometimes they are. With Shia LaBeouf, it kind of like was the catalyst to like ending everything mm -hmm. with them right uh, megan fox too yeah megan fox is the same way but i think that there's some people that are in them the guy who plays the military guy in all of them he's in a bunch of other david stray there and i mean he was he was been he had been around for a long time before that too yeah i don't know i just feel like there's uh the, the, the Haley steinfeld was in bumblebee yeah i know and she's Haley steinfeld she's an academy award nominated person yeah yeah exactly i mean yeah you're not wrong it's it's this trailer though was the visuals were so bad it it looked like the original transformers no it looks way worse than the original transformers like it was rough man there's yeah. a shot of uh one of the transformers like doing like a a drift and and anthony ramos steps out of the vehicle at the same time and it is so obviously a green screen and it's edited in it's yeah. it looks Horrible. He like Anthony Ramos almost looks cell shaded because mm -hmm. of the lines you can see around his body. Exactly. It, it's very, very weird. I will say with the with the visual style though, I do like that it's more colorful and mm -hmm. that the design of the Transformers are a little more like the cartoon. Now, the one thing that I will give this trailer is that kind of one simulated one shot that they have of this huge battle sequence that's gonna be in the movie. If this movie is the majority that, yeah. sign me up. Mm -hmm. But if this is like the previous like three Transformers movies have been, I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, I don't even think I saw the last two or three. I remember seeing one of them with Mark Wahlberg in it, and I had yeah. to leave after like the, the entire subplot of the movie being that this like 20 something year old is wanting to have sex with this 17 year old and it's just yeah. like yeah the they whole... keep harping on that too. yeah it's like a subplot of the entire movie and it's just yeah. like kept happening and i was like i i'm just done i'm just done with michael bay and i'm done with transformers i will say at the end of this trailer optimus prime saying let them come is very <laughs> funny it's, that is objectively hilarious and all it's of the memes so funny. all the memes i've seen of just like let them come and then like a i don't know like the kill starts playing. You yeah. Know? It's just like, I, I, I love it. I love the memes. I love Optimus Prime telling people to come. <laughs> 
I mean, if we get nothing else out of this movie, at yeah. least we got that. Yeah, true. So uh, let's talk about three trailers that absolutely blew me away, though. Uh, first off, I want to just touch on the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 trailer. Blake did not watch that. I'm not going to talk about the content of this trailer um, specifically. But what I will say is it seems that they have put one of the most emotional pivot moments of this movie in this trailer. And I don't understand why the marketing department thinks that that's a smart thing to do. Give us an emotional climax of the movie in the trailer instead of letting that emotional climax build naturally like it's supposed to in a movie. Now, I get that with Marvel movies, you're always going to get some of the last battle scene or last fight scene in the trailer. But don't give me something like what they gave me in this trailer. It bummed me out. Um, I will say that... Uh, Eyebrow Boy, Will Poulter, mm -hmm. looks incredible in this as Adam Warlock. I cannot wait to see what happens with this character. I love the redesign. Uh, he looks incredible in the suit and the uh, the makeup and everything. I'm really excited to see uh, Elizabeth Debicki come back from the first movie also, who was the sister of Adam Warlock. Um, I thought she was fantastic in Volume 2. Um, volume 2, one of those movies that if you go back and rewatch it now, after what we've gotten mostly in Phase 4, you're like, holy shit, Volume 2 is a masterpiece. <laughs> uh, it's, it's great, and I cannot wait to see what James Gunn does next. I just really, really wish that they had left that moment with Rocket, that's all I'll say, out of the trailer. Just why? Why? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, that's kind of just why, though, with every Marvel trailer. Like, complaining about Marvel showing too much or spoiling the third act is like if you walk up to a stove that's literally never not been on high, and then you walk over and keep putting your hand on the stove and keep burning your hand and complaining about it. Like, it's, it's Marvel. They're going to spoil the movie. They've been doing that literally since day one. They're not going to stop doing it because everyone's going to see the movie anyway. Mm -hmm. And so they're just trying to hook as many people as possible. They, what bothers me the most about the way the trailers are designed though, when I do watch them is like, they will show you the, the first, the middle and the begin and the end of the movie, mm -hmm. right? Like usually in the trailer in that order. And like, yeah. you can tell when things are happening just based on context clues and stuff like that. It's not, yeah. it's not as much a teaser as it is an abbreviated version of the product now. Yeah. And it, it makes no sense to me. It's like, why mm -hmm. are we doing this? Why would mm -hmm. we even... What's the point in building up the emotion to that moment in the movie for that line? Yeah. Like, come on. It, it's really stupid. pisses it, me off. It, but I can't wait to see what these new characters do and how we're going to send off these characters. Because Gunn has been very, very clear that this is the last time we're seeing these Guardians in this lineup of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, does that mean everyone's going to die? I don't think so. I think we're going to have most of them die, maybe. Um, but there's one character that will die, and everyone else will be fine, and they'll be in the rest of the Marvel movies for we'll a see. very long time. We'll I see. Just, there's, there's one person because this actor has basically all but said that his character is dying and James Gunn basically has all but said that, that he is. Well, we also had Zoe Saldana saying that she's never going to do a superhero movie again too after this. So she, Gamora's probably gone too. Um, who knows? Maybe they'll surprise us with, with some of this stuff. I fully want a Rocket and Groot spinoff. I've been saying that since day one. I think that they would be just printing money to do that. 
Um, but yeah, I guess we will see what happens in, was it May or June? It's, it's early next summer. It's May. It's like the end of May when it's supposed to come out. Mm-hmm. I do want to say about this movie, the thing that I am most excited about, like I, I'm all the Guardian stuff and all those characters, it's like, yeah, I'm obviously excited to see all of that because I think that's some of the best branch of the MCU. I think those are mm-hmm. two of the best directed movies that we've ever had in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Definitely. But aside from all of that, I am so excited to see uh, uh, Chudwi Iwuji, I think is how you say yeah, his from name. Peacemaker. From Peacemaker. Yeah. Dude was amazing in Peacemaker. Like, mm-hmm. genuinely should have been nominated for an Emmy for this role in Peacemaker. He's amazing. And yeah. I'm so excited to see him in this. Incredible. Um, I can't wait to see more of Maria Bakalova um, voicing yeah. Cosmo, um, which we will talk about her first appearance a little bit later in this episode. Um, so yeah, that's all my thoughts on the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 trailer. Unbelievably excited for this movie. Guardians is one of my favorites of the franchises within the MCU. Um, and James Gunn is one of my all-time favorite filmmakers. So I think that he's really going to send us off with a bang before he moves on to his new job as the uh, head of DC Films. Uh, so before we talk about these last two trailers, I want to talk about a couple of posters really quick. Um, I don't know if you saw these, Blake, but the Blue Beetle poster was released. Oh, are you kidding me, bro? I was yeah. about the wallpaper on my phone. That thing is so fucking beautiful. Yeah, it's yeah. gorgeous. It's it's also really interesting that uh, James Gunn posted on the same day the Guardians trailer and the poster for... Um, Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. There was no caption on the Blue Beetle poster, and he posted like a whole thing about how he's going to miss the Guardians and miss being part of this universe and blah, blah, blah. Just the poster with no caption of Blue Beetle had more than twice the amount of retweets and likes as his Guardians trailer he tweeted the same day. Holy shit. Fascinating to me. That's crazy. Yes, just fascinating. I think that people are very excited for this movie. Well, especially since Susan Sarandon dropped that bomb that the movie is in Spanish, too. Like, a large majority of it is going to be in Spanish. I can't wait, man. And, And it's literally the the guy playing blue beetle is the star of like the third most watched show in netflix history yeah cobra kai yeah Yeah. so i just i think that the audience for this is going to be huge it's also like the isn't this the first lead latino superhero absolutely is i believe i can't think of another movie that's come out with a major latino superhero yeah and it's like it's number one about damn time and Mm -hmm. i think that like that's going to play into the box office so much for this movie people are very excited for this yeah, the poster's amazing. It's so awesome. A lot of people are familiar with Blue Beetle from the Injustice games. Yeah. Um, that's kind of where most people in current generation were introduced to this mm-hmm. character. And then he blew up in comics as a result of mm-hmm. those Injustice storylines. Yeah. So I can't wait to see what storyline they adapt in this. I can't wait to see the cast of characters in this movie. What, what types of crazy villains and action set pieces are we going to get? I'm really excited for it. Uh, so yeah, that's the Blue Beetle poster. And then there were two posters released for Dungeons & Dragons, uh, Honor Among Thieves. That's coming out uh, later. Uh, I think it's March, somewhere around there. Um, so I don't know if you saw these these posters, but there is one that is just the generic Marvel formula it's poster with the heads. The exploding all, head poster. Exactly. Yeah. The other one is a really cool below the, like from the ground up, shot of the main characters in a circle looking down at the camera and it's a it's a pretty cool poster i actually really liked that one it gives us a good look at the character design the costume um this one i'm really excited for because of chris pine um i think that chris pine is a brilliant comedic actor 
and him playing a goofy bard in the Dungeons and Dragons universe sounds like a match made in heaven in my book. Um, I can't wait to see Sophia Lillis on the big screen again. I mean, we haven't seen her in a big movie since it. She was in that great movie Uncle Frank on Netflix or on uh, Amazon Prime. But who who saw Uncle Frank? Mm, we did. Besides us. <laughs> um, so yeah, she's brilliant can't wait to see her in this movie michelle rodriguez hugh grant that's what i was saying michelle rodriguez yeah. is just one of those as people, the barbarian class she's always batting 100 she's yeah. always giving it her all like just killing it on screen every time yeah. that you see her you're like fuck yeah michelle rodriguez is here she's gonna wreck shit yeah absolutely yeah. and uh, uh reggie john page is in this also so, there's there's so many people in this cast so that's where justice gonna, smith that's where i was gonna go with this actually with those two okay so chris pine he's one of my favorite actors like straight up super underrated he's the best chris in hollywood sorry i love you chris evans He's the better actor. If you haven't seen Hell or High Water, stop immediately and go watch that movie and you'll see what Blake's talking about. It is on literally every streaming service. Yeah, and uh, it's a masterpiece. Love Michelle Rodriguez. Loved her since Lost. Sophia Lillis, she's popped up on our recast. Mm-hmm. Ray J. John Page, I've seen in that Russo Brothers movie. Gray Man, yeah. And it is excruciating he's the worst part of that horrible movie he is yeah. cringeworthy it's like who told this guy he should be an actor bad yeah justice smith uh is, he's a 50 50 oh man for me. for me he's all missed it's like even in the movies that i enjoy that he's in he's still like it's painful really? to sit through his him trying to act and like he 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 tries so hard to have charisma, but he just doesn't. What about Detective Pikachu? That's what I'm saying. I like Detective Pikachu. Except oh, I think he's awesome for him. in it. He's he just sucks. He's oh, just man. never been good. Yeah. Uh, I did not like his performance in Jurassic World uh, oh, Dominion. God. Yeah. Um, he was terrible in that. I still haven't even seen the last Jurassic World movie. Um, but I liked him in Detective Pikachu. Um, but I think those are literally the only things that I've seen him in, maybe. I know he's in that video game, The Quarry, that just came out, and that game's supposed to be awesome. Um, that cast is crazy for that game, but not a video game podcast. <laughs> um, last two trailers that I want to talk about. First off, let's talk about the Super Mario Brothers movie full trailer and clip that was shown at the Game Awards. Um, Blake, I know you're the biggest Mario fan. I want to hear your thoughts on the full trailer, the jokes that were in there. Are they landing for you? How's Chris Pratt for you? Um, the new elements that were introduced? Give me your thoughts. So I just want to say, first off, I think, um, obviously we're not the biggest Chris Pratt fans on here. Uh, it's You could say that. The, the, the worst aspect of this movie is that he is playing uh, Mario. And I find myself, anytime he starts talking, just kind of like... Get like you know the back of my neck just kind of like his hair stand up just like oh, this isn't right something about this isn't right yeah but everything about the movie man like the animation style the quality of animation just the the lighting and the colors it mm-hmm. looks incredible the way it's shot the angles that they're, yeah. they're they're animating are just incredible um how like inside baseball a lot of the things are in just the clip and the trailer that we saw yeah so cool I love that it's like uh, referencing the games and honoring the games in that way. Uh, I think on the internet, people are just way too picky about this because I'm just thinking about like the bullshit animated cartoons that used to come on and yeah, the, the Mario super and show. the live action movie. That's like famously one of the worst films ever made. Yeah. Uh, so I just think that people are, need to, we need to appreciate that like Nintendo's finally doing this themselves and it, 
looks like Mario. It looks incredible. Like, genuinely, I wanted to hate this movie as much as everybody else on the internet did. But, like, you got to admit, it looks stunning. The quality of the animation, the Peach redesign. She looks better Mm -hmm. than the games, dude. She's going to be awesome in this because I love what they've done with Peach in the last couple of Mario games Mm -hmm. where they've totally abandoned the damsel in distress. Exactly. In the end of Mario Odyssey, the longest Mario game that, like, you finally get to it. You finally get to Peach and you save her from Bowser. And then you, like, go and you go, oh, Peach, you come back to the Mushroom Kingdom, you know. And she's like, actually, you guys are crazy. I'm going to go, like, hang out with Toad. We're going to go on vacation. And that's, like, how the game ends. And it's fucking sick. More Peach, like, independence and, like, not just being, like, the the Peach in the castle that you have to rescue that doesn't Mario and nothing else. And it's Anya Taylor-Joy. Exactly. Like, I think the cast of this outside of Chris Pratt, again, is amazing. Charlie Day is Luigi. We've talked about it on the podcast, but the thing that stands out to me is Jack Black is Bowser. This Bowser voice is incredible. And he's, like really the only one doing a, a voice to be fair uh i see a lot of people like to compare the like why is it okay for like charlie day to just use his regular voice for luigi it's like because charlie day's like regular voice and persona is like timid and terrified and like yeah. panicked so that's like kind of how it is it's it's very luigi-esque yeah so there, there are aspects of this that uh have me a little nervous i will say the clip they showed the animation the world the references the little easter eggs looking in the back this thing that thing that's all really cool but when again when he was talking and just like the vibe from the scene it's i kind be a of felt to get over. it felt a little bit like um just the dialogue and stuff felt a little bit like generic in this in the clip they showed at least or just kind of like oh wait is this going to be another like despicable me minions type of like quality writing mm-hmm. if that makes sense but hey, we're the only people in the world that apparently dislikes that. So yeah, uh, yeah. the Mario Kart of it all. Oh <laughs> my god! That's why we're here, isn't it? Like that's that's why we want to we we come to this movie wanting like yes. dreaming that maybe we come we could to this see... place for magic. Exactly, we come to this place for magic and for Rainbow Road. Like yes, as great as every other video game is, and we have to talk about video games now because it's Mario. Yeah. Um, as great as everything else in video games are, a no-scope battle on Rust and Call of Duty or, like, I don't know, a Destiny raid or, like, Overwatch multiplayer, a Diablo twi- quest or whatever, right? Nothing's better the than Rainbow. The secret ending to Cyberpunk, which I keep yeah. playing over and over and over again. <laughs> Every moment of Elden Ring. Yeah. <laughs> as great as all of those experiences are, like, with your friends, because a lot of those are multiplayer experiences, mm-hmm. nothing will ever top playing Mario Kart on Rainbow Road with your siblings or your friends. Yeah. That will forever be, in my opinion, the pinnacle of gaming. And to see not only were they all in the carts, they're on fucking Rainbow Road, dude. And they yeah. the carts they were using, you have to understand, these are real carts from actual Mario games. I played that one in the DS version. I used that one in Double Dash. And I used this one in 64. And I saw them all on the screen. Mm-hmm. It's fucking, I can't believe this and- is real. I'm, I'm going to have to get over the Chris Pratt voice, but his wahoo was oh. fantastic. His little mannerisms, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 like you said, wahoo and let's go. Like those yeah. are good. Those are actually really good. Yeah. It's just like weird to me that he doesn't do that when he's just like, well, it's just like, he's just being Chris Pratt mm-hmm. when he's not doing With that. a slight New York accent, it seems. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's just like, again, but again, I, I, we just have to get past that because uh, he, he's jumping on bullet bills and they look yeah. like bullet bills. Like it looks like fucking mario and all the jokes and references are mario based and inside Mm -hmm. baseball again it's it's clearly being made by people 
who love this as much as I do. Yeah, it 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 looks incredible in my book, and the the clip really worked for me. the uh, The warp tunnel uh, just cracked me up. That whole the whole joke that they're mm-hmm. setting up there, the punchline is fantastic. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm super stoked for it. Can't wait for the Super Mario Brothers movie. Now, the one that I am most excited for that we're going to talk about today is the Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny trailer. Um, Holy shit, this looks like the Indiana Jones movie we should have gotten whenever Crystal Skull came out. Um, James Mangold is directing this time around. James Mangold did Logan, he did Walk the Line, he did Ford v. Ferrari, one of our favorite movies around here. And uh, yeah, I cannot believe how great this trailer looked. There's a shot of a de-aged Indy that's the best de-aging I've ever seen, and it's just a trailer for a movie that doesn't come out till next summer. Like, they're not done with that yet, and it still looks that good? Holy shit. Um, The best part of this trailer for me was the way that it opens with narration from Sala, from John Reese davies who is arguably my favorite sidekick character in movie history, is Sala. I love him so much. Bad dates. Um, he, he is the best. I love Sala. Can't believe he's back and that they kept it a secret until this trailer. Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge looks awesome in this. I can't wait to see what her character, who's uh, Indy's goddaughter, um, is uh, how she fits into the puzzle and whose daughter she is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be really interesting. She's the only character on IMDb that doesn't have a last name, which is yeah. interesting. Yeah. So I'm wondering if if she's going to be Denholm Elliott's character's granddaughter or something like that, where she's mm-hmm. that would make sense that he would want Indy to be his uh, the the godfather to his his granddaughter or daughter whatever Mm. she is um so yeah i can't wait to see what happens with this but the villains mads mickelson and boyd holbrook boyd holbrook who's worked with james mangold before on logan Mm -hmm. um as a villain and he is amazing he absolutely crushes it in the movie vengeance that we talked about a, a few episodes back um i love this guy i think he's super talented i've used him on the recast before um I cannot wait to see Mads play the villain in an Indiana Jones movie, though. That seems like this is the role he was born to play. Mm. Like, you can argue Hannibal Lecter. He is the best Hannibal. I think he's better than Anthony Hopkins, personally. But, goddamn, I can't wait to see him as an Indiana Jones villain. Indiana Jones is probably my favorite franchise of the 80s. Um, No, it is. I can say that wholeheartedly. Indiana Jones is my favorite franchise of the 80s. And... It is one of those things that was so, like, just integral to my taste in movies and what I love in movies and what I love in video games, what I love in storytelling. I love pulpy adventure, quest-based stuff. Um, And then you throw in the mythology aspect, which I've always loved mythology, and that they pull from various religions and various uh, worldviews whenever they're going in on that. And nothing's better than punching Nazis. Exactly. And you just get to see Nazis get fucked up in every one of these movies except for Temple of Doom. Um, So Wait, wait, what are you talking about? Temple of Doom. What is that? <laughs> you you don't I forget Blake doesn't like Temple of Doom. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like Temple of Doom. There are four Indiana Jones movies and two of them are good. <laughs> Three of them are good. Um, I can't wait to see what happens with this one though because James Mangold, one of my favorites. Uh, this trailer blew me away. The music. This is the final score we're getting from John Williams allegedly, 
and it seems like he is putting in the work. Uh, playing on those classic themes, but putting a new twist on them. I can't wait. Blake, what did you think of the trailer for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny? It's a really solid trailer. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm excited for it. I'm just like nervous for some reason. I know I shouldn't be because it's James Mangold. I have he's given me no reason to ever doubt him or his abilities. Boyd Holbrook is one of the the coolest dudes on the planet. Like he just mm-hmm. like I know it's such a basic word, but like when you think of cool, the cool guy, even when he's a total piece of shit. Right? You're still like, that's a cool motherfucker right there. Boyd Holbrook, Daniel Kaluuya, the two people that come to mind whenever I think of cool motherfuckers in Hollywood. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I guess I'm just nervous because, like, the only Indiana Jones movie that I got to see in theaters was the third, the fourth one. Yeah, Crystal Skull. Uh, Crystal Skull. And that is, to this day, one of the worst things I've ever watched. Yeah, it's... It's a really tough movie. I've rewatched it several times, hoping to find something that I like in it. And the only thing I like is the finale. Like, that's it. That's the only thing I like in that movie. Um, there are a couple of cool moments with Kate Blanchett's character that were promising, but I don't know, man. The movie just didn't pan out. But I, just, I think it's because Spielberg and Lucas and it was was it David Kep that wrote the script for that also. Yes. Um, it, it, it just didn't work um, but with Mangold being the person who's writing and directing I really think that we have a chance for a good redemption for Indy and a good solid ending for his story I, I just really hope there's no science fiction because that's what bothered me so much I think about the last one was those first three go back to the religious mythology religious yeah. mythology and historical conspiracies and stuff like that. It's like fun conspiracies back when conspiracy theories were fun mm-hmm. <laughs> remember those days <laughs> uh yeah i mean it, it's gonna be great the 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 de-aging on harrison ford like you said it just it it looked it looks like him it just looks like an old somehow they had like an, an imax camera they had an imax <laughs> camera back then and yeah they filmed it you know what i mean uh yeah but i'm not i'm not as huge on the indiana jones movies as you are uh, at all i really like the last one the or the the last crusade Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that movie's fantastic. It's so funny and entertaining, and the the pacing of We're it's so great. We're the dog, Indiana. Yeah, there's so many good one-liners from Sean Connery. I think yeah. about him going out and uh, flailing his umbrella to scare the birds off. Yeah. On the beach. It's just so many amazing moments from that film. I love it so much. Just thinking about it makes me so happy. Yeah, and then Raiders is obviously a classic. Temple of Doom, other than Short Round, uh, I don't like really anything about it because all i think about is either that movie is short round being amazing or it's andy andy yeah kate capshaw sucks what feels <laughs> like five hours just yeah. screaming indie on loop man i love the main story in that movie though and i think that it is i mean it's one of the movies that helped create the pg-13 rating because yeah. of how gory it was that movie's rated fucking mm. pg how the fuck do you have a scene where a guy gets his heart ripped out of his chest beating bloody in someone's hand and the movie's rated pg mm-hmm. insanity <laughs> that was one of the scariest things i ever saw when oh I my god child. yeah yeah absolutely I, I do have a weird this is a very weird very specific thing but it bothers me the um the logo like the where it says indiana jones mm-hmm. it's it's not exactly the same font and the same color really? it's a little bit different it's it's hmm. it's just straight That's gotta be yellow purposeful and the font is just a little bit different 
And a lot of you probably don't know what I'm talking about when I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It just looks like the Veggie Tales Indiana Jones parody <laughs> font. It doesn't look like the actual Indiana the Jones font. Cute. Yeah, it looks like the Veggie Tales version of the Indiana Jones font. And it, every time I see it, I'm like, oh my God, that's not the Indiana Jones font. That's the Veggie Tales one. <laughs> I'm so happy you saved that piece of information for the podcast because I, I can't believe you kept that to yourself for so long. That's fucking hilarious. Every time I see it, I'm like, that's not it. Yeah. It's, that's right. I didn't even notice, man. I was I was in just a daze of bliss. You see it now, <laughs> You're right? showing it to me. Yeah, I see it. It is more yellow. It's not as orange yeah, at the top. Exactly. Um, wow. Okay. Well, that's all that I'm going to say about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny because if I keep going, I could talk the entire rest of this podcast just about aspects of this trailer that I'm excited about. How many years in this podcast did we make it before VeggieTales came up? <laughs> it's got to have Too come up long. before this. <laughs> I bet it has and we just forgot about it. Um, so last two stories that I want to talk about. First off, this happened a few weeks back, but we didn't have an episode uh, around when it happened. But Bob Iger is back at the, as the head of Disney. Like, wow, the greatest head of Disney we've ever had uh, is back in the driver's seat. And it seems like he's going to make some big changes um, back towards the glory days of Disney. Yeah, I was very excited to hear this news because the guy who was the CEO for that period of time after Iger left mm -hmm. the last like year and a half or two years. Was, Bob uh, Chapek, right? Bob Chapek, yeah. Chapek, yeah. Bob Chapek is, has been known at Disney. He's been at Disney since he was like 25, I think. And he was in parks though, yeah. Yeah, and he's always been known as a penny pincher and uh, not wanting to spend too much money on things. And hey, guess what happened with every Marvel project after that? The, the visual effects budgets got slashed and mm -hmm. we got She-Hulk. We got yeah. Moon Knight. Like we got shit that looks horrible uh the parks were apparently falling apart there was controversy left and right of what was going on at the parks and then mm -hmm. losing money and all this stuff right and then just seemingly out of nowhere with no rumors no lead up no explanation overnight he was gone and Iger was back yeah i, I want to know i want to know all the details about what happened um i'm fascinated by this i bob Iger, like you said he's the best ceo disney's ever had um, if if you don't know a lot about what he's done at Disney as a whole company across the entire board of parks and games and everything, mm -hmm. uh, there's a great YouTube channel called Defunct Land that does like deep dive video essays into like Disney's history and the amount of times that Bob Iger comes up as this guy who saved this thing or this thing was nothing and then he saw something in it and then it ended up being the most profitable ride at Disney or like. Mm -hmm the marvel acquisition like the the star pixar. wars acquisition yeah. pixar this is all bob Iger. like he is a creatively minded uh executive and he's also usually on the right side of politics which is not something you can usually say for ceos of disney namely mm -hmm. walt who was a borderline nazi yeah. <laughs> so i just i think this is amazing news across the board chapik's completely out of the company they didn't even move him like back to parks he's gone yeah, I, something's going on. Something happened. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but we'll find out soon enough, I'm sure. There's going to be some story, some leak that happens about what happened with it. But I'm excited for things to kind of start to right themselves again because but outside of Pixar, they haven't really been batting 100 for me um, the past, past couple of years um, and the projects that they're choosing to move forward with. And even some at Pixar, like Turning Red, I wasn't a fan of. Um, you know what I would really like them to get back to? 
is good Disney made live action films. Yeah. Because all we like get Pirates now, and National Treasure, yeah, exactly. You could go on and on from the the two thousand to two thousand ten. Yeah, how many G Force? Just G Force, <laughs> the Academy Best Picture winning G Force. <laughs> don't fact fact check that. Yeah, just please trust, don't. Just trust me, bro. Believe me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just hope that they get back to original anything. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I was gonna say original. Just make an original thing. Yeah. Can we stop with the live action remakes of bullshit? I and don't care. Legacy sequels and all yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah. Just make make another Pirates. It can't be that hard, Bob. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe they'll resurrect that Margot Robbie one that I'm assuming was too expensive for Chappic. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, who knows? I'd love to see some more some more uh live action, like you said. I want to see them do another 2D animated something. I think that, that would be amazing. I don't know yeah. if this is ever going to happen, but mm-hmm. I, even if they computer animate it, something that's that's like, I mean, Princess and the Frog was the last one we got, mm-hmm. and it's a masterpiece. Speaking of Princess and the Frog, and while we're on this Bob Chappick discussion, uh, did you see what happened like a week or two ago? They officially, Bob, Bob Iger announced that they are closing down Splash Mountain uh, for the next yes. two years and redesigning it for a Princess and the Frog ride. Yeah, how it's gonna be fucking awesome. cool is that? Dude? So sick! It, it just makes all the sense in the world. Splash Mountain was a racist bullshit ride mm-hmm. that people that shouldn't have made it as long as it did, and it's nice for Disney to finally acknowledge uh, Princess and the Frog because it seems mm-hmm. like they pretend like it doesn't exist, even though it made a bunch of money. Yeah, and it's universally beloved. Yeah. Like it's it's a masterpiece of a movie. They do mm-hmm. have the animated series follow up that's coming out on Disney Plus which I'm very excited to see what happens with that. That's 2D animated, but I want a theatrical release 2D animated Disney movie again. Mm. We're at a place where nostalgia is the drug, and if they did that, man, people would flock to Mm. the theaters to see a hand-drawn 2D animated Disney movie again. Yeah, but all they think about is how nobody saw Treasure Planet uh, or Atlantis or Home on the Range. That's all they think about. But I mean, that was only what? Like, 98 to 2003 right there? Like, that was such a small stretch, but it was such a formative stretch for a lot Mm -hmm. of the the generation that's buying movie tickets Mm -hmm. right now. So people don't want to get screwed like that again, and so they forget about how great Princess and the Frog was after that. Yeah. Um, Man, it's it's... It's a bummer that we're, we, ever since Tangled, which is great, Tangled, Frozen, um, I, I really like both of those mm. movies a lot. Um, Bolt is pretty good, um, but most everything else, I'm not huge on, yeah. honestly. Big Hero 6, take that back, Big Hero 6 is fantastic. Um, but, yeah, I, it's it's been kind of a barren wasteland of, of a place that used to be just wrought with masterpiece after masterpiece with mm-hmm. sound killer soundtrack after killer soundtrack um i just rewatched a goofy movie the other day and i forget how every single song in that movie is a banger not just the power line ones um the duet between goofy and max is such a beautiful song and it's it's so great that whole sequence is incredible um, nobody else but you, I think is the name of that one. Um, but man, it, I want another. I want to feel like that again in a in a Disney movie, and I think that we'd have as good a chance as ever with Iger back in the in the head position. Um, so very excited about this. Um, another big thing that happened over at Warner Brothers uh, with James Gunn and Peter Safran 
is uh, Wonder Woman 3 has been officially canceled. Um, apparently they went to Patty Jenkins and said, hey, uh, we need you to change the movie to fit into this new plan. She said no. They said, all right, bye. Um, so, damn, that's crazy. I'm okay with this because Wonder Woman 84 sucked ass. Um, but, man, it's it's crazy. But they kind of confirmed with this that they are entirely restructuring the DC film universe here. Um, we don't know if Henry Cavill is going to be back again. There are rumors that Henry Cavill just shot a cameo for The Flash. So if that's true, then why are they doing that if they're not going to use him more? He turned mm. down the next season of The Witcher already. Are they going to ask him back and kick... Uh, Whatever, whichever person it is that's playing, is it Liam Hemsworth or some shit? It's Liam Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah. fuck that man. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Aldi version of Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, name dropped Aldi. Um, but yeah, I'm I am really excited to see what happens with this restructuring though, because mm-hmm. it the Snyderverse has lost its way. There's only a couple of good movies in it now. Um, the stuff that James Gunn is doing. That's what's great. Uh, And it's just kind of mind-blowing to me that this didn't happen sooner with James Gunn running the show, but he had to finish out with Guardians. I get it. Um, But this guy understands comic books. He understands comic book movies. He knows how to make things interconnected. Look at the Guardians movies. Uh, It's it's just filled with things. Again, we'll talk about the holiday special in, in just a minute. Um, but the, the, the care that he puts into the storytelling and the way that he loves characters from comic books, I can't wait to see what he does. And I think we're in good hands and we just need to trust him, give him the wheel and trust him. So his main focus, uh, seemingly in like every statement is making it creative based first and director based visions first, Mm -hmm. uh, which is fitting because what are the only Marvel movies that feel like they were directed by a human being? the guardians of the galaxy movies the rest of them arguably yeah the rest of them kind of feel like they were made by kevin feige mm-hmm. and the guardians movies are very definitively james gunn films in every way right yeah. and so i think we're gonna get a lot of that um letting the creatives make their movie in their style mm-hmm. while still being there's going to be a set connected universe we're not gonna have this random bullshit of like is black adam in the same thing is that the same henry cavill is that a different one what's going on just that constant thing that happens uh every time a dc project comes out where even leading up to the movie coming out you're like i don't really know what does black adam even take place in this human universe is shazam like we have we don't know you know yes i still don't think we know even after watching the movie like it's just so unfocused and scrambled and messy and if that's happening for people like you and me that watch every movie and i'm on twitter way too much and i'm following every news story and i'm confused when i'm watching shit like imagine what these like just like regular people that like Mm -hmm. oh i'm gonna go see the new spider-man right and then they know and they always understand in this new spider-man even though there's a bunch of other previous projects like it still works for anyone right who's coming in and there, you just don't have that with this because this is just like you're constantly confused about who's in what universe and what is even happening right now mm-hmm. or who's in charge. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Uh, I, I It's kind of a bummer to me that we're not going to get a Black Adam sequel, it seems, because I think that the world that they were setting up, the things that they were teeing up in that movie were going to be awesome. Um, but apparently we're getting a Hawkman project. Uh, so... I don't understand what's happening. I really don't. I don't know what's what's alive. I don't know what's dead as far as these projects go. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know if Blue Beetle's going to be in the Snyderverse or the Gunverse, whatever. Are we going to get well, another? Well, the Snyderverse has been done for since 2016, 2017, 2018. Snyderverse has been done, and they've just been doing what they've been calling the DCEU. Yeah. So all of this just, like, random nonsense that we don't know what's happening is the DCEU. And I it, – it does, it does suck that, like, a lot of things are getting canceled, but – Wonder Woman 84 is one of the worst comic book films ever made. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman 1 isn't that great either. Uh, Gal Gadot is not a good Wonder Woman. She's not a good actor. Just straight up. She's not good. I agree. Um, I love that the story, the the more details that came out earlier today about the Patty Jenkins thing where they let her know like, hey, this isn't working. We'll give you an opportunity to rewrite the script. Uh, and she said no. All she said, she emailed them back no with a screenshot of the wikipedia page for character development wow wow so <laughs> apparently wonder woman has gone through character development in those movies could have fooled I missed me that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> missed that part you had yeah. four hours to do it never happened <laughs> wow I, I don't know man i'm just i'm ready for it to kind of be restarted the only one the only thing that's bothering me is just that they said it's up in the air if Henry Cavill will be Superman again. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're doing, because apparently it's coming out now that Man of Steel 2 was in active development. Yeah. That is no longer in active development, but it is, quote, up in the air if Henry will still be Superman. Gotcha. There's a lot of, I, I can understand every perspective on the Henry Cavill Superman thing. I love him. I think the audiences could get over it. Didn't they also say that the Reeves universe is safe? So they said that they're not touching the Matt Reeves, uh, the Batman universe. They're okay, going to let it be because good. it works. Because they fucking figured it out. <laughs> yeah, because again, that's a movie that is very clearly directed by Matt Reeves. It is mm-hmm. a Matt Reeves film in every sense of the word. While I have a couple of problems with it, I still think that it's the most Batman Batman movie yes. that we've gotten yet. Fully, 100%. Um, the Batman Beyond one is really disappointing to me yeah they were doing a Batman beyond movie and uh literally as i'm saying this i pulled up twitter and the hollywood reporter is reporting that michelle pfeiffer was going to return are you fucking kidding me for the batman it was going to be led by michael keaton and michelle pfeiffer the batman beyond movie god why is that not happening that's heartbreaking (laughs) that is really really heartbreaking um that would have been that would have been really cool i'm not the biggest michael keaton batman fan uh, I love him. Michelle Pfeiffer, though, as Catwoman, oh, incredible, I mean, one of the all-time greats. Yeah. So. Damn, dude, that fucking sucks. They were gonna get. Oh, damn it, dude, yeah. that sucks. Yeah. Oh. I was like, just the timing of like The Rock posting like, uh, like, oh, hey, actually, guys, like, Black Adam made like twenty million dollars. So like, fuck yeah. you. Like, it was, and then the next so day, desperate. right? He tweeted that, and then like an hour later, Gal Gadot was like. Oh, I love this. I was cast as Wonder Woman eight years ago today, and I love it so much. And thank you all for all the Wonder Woman joy and uh, seeing yourself on screen. Her long, long, you know, post about how great it is to be Wonder Woman. And yeah, ju- just get ready, guys. You have no idea what we have in store for you for Chapter Three. Is how she ended the post, and mm-hmm. then like twelve hours later, James Gunn's like, "No, bye. Yeah, get out." <laughs> Damn, dude. All right. Well, any other thoughts on what they're doing with DC? Uh, we'll have to wait and see, but literally James Gunn is the person. He is the only person. If he can't save it, then it's irredeemable. We're never going to do it. It's, it it may be, 
if he can't if James Gunn can't fix this and make people excited for these DC characters then I don't think it can be done yeah I agree fully agree he's the greatest comic book director of all time well let's keep that James Gunn comic book train rolling with uh, moving into our main features for this week's episode uh, first off we're going to talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special written and directed by James Gunn uh, it's out on Disney Plus right now so go and watch that it is amazing this one stars all of our favorite Guardians of the Galaxy but this time it's led by Mantis and Drax uh, Palm Clementif and uh, De Batista. Obviously, you also got Chris Pratt, Karen Gillan, uh, new addition, Sean Gunn as an official guardian. Uh, one of my favorite guys out there. Bradley Cooper, Vin Diesel are back in their voice roles. You got Maria Bakalova joining the Guardians as Cosmo the Space Dog. Um, she's amazing in one of our favorite movies this year, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh, and obviously incredible in, in Borat 2. Uh, you get Michael Rooker coming back as Yondu for a flashback scene, which was awesome. Uh, and then the addition of Kevin Bacon as himself. Um, that was all over social media and in the trailers, so it's not ruining anything. It's the central storyline of this movie special, whatever you want to call it. It's only, what, 40 minutes long? So it's kind of like how Werewolf by Night was, where it's, uh, it's a, a short film. Um, but it's very, very important to the MCU, we find out. Very overall. effective. It's it's amazing what this man can do with such a short period of time with um, character work and emotion. Because mm -hmm. like I, I cried know, like a baby. I know a lot of people think James Gunn, and then you think like I don't know, like inappropriate jokes and stuff like that. Because that's kind of where he started and everything, mm -hmm. kind of like extreme stuff, right? But like when I think of James Gunn, I think of characters because none right. of the characters in the MCU, even as much as I, I have a Captain America tattoo, bro. Uh, he's not as well developed as any of the guardians yeah i i any of the characters in peacemaker right like in, in any of the suicide squad in the suicide squad like yeah. what he's able to do with such little time he's so effective with his with his character use and with uh, he's so time efficient i guess is what i'm saying because it's mm -hmm. like guardians one is not a very long movie and we're all crying at the end of it everyone yeah. was crying that was the first marvel movie that made me cry yeah uh, I just I could go on and on about about James Gunn, but sticking with the holiday special, I was just so impressed with the character work. I thought this was just going to be a joke fest, and and I would have been fine with that because cool, the Guardians are also super funny, mm -hmm. like genuinely. Because James Gunn is hilarious, actually funny, not oh, there's something behind me, isn't there? Funny, you yes, know? actually funny, and I didn't just I not only did I get genuinely funny jokes and moments i got incredible character work yeah two moments in this made me cry mm -hmm. and it's only fucking 40 minutes long yeah uh and it's because of the time that we got to spend with these characters where not a second was wasted um kevin bacon's performance as a heightened version of himself is so funny like this is one of the great like this is the end level self-aware comedic performances um cracked me up he's so funny he is the heart and soul of this special um basic plot uh drax and mantis decide that they want to give uh star lord a christmas to remember since he had a traumatic incident with christmas and they decide they're going to gift him kevin bacon <laughs> so that's the setup for this special if you haven't seen the trailers if you haven't seen any of the things about it 
I think that's brilliant. It's it's executed perfectly, and just like Blake said, not a like it's it's all character development mm-hmm. this whole time. There's great action in it. There's tons of great jokes, um, amazing visuals. Mm-hmm. One of the funniest Christmas songs I've heard in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I had an absolute blast with it, which is, I mean, I, I'm not surprised it, at all. It's not just a thing, a Christmas project that takes place at Christmas. It is a Christmas project that also has the values and the feeling of Christmas like ingrained mm-hmm. in it, which yeah. is very important. That's the difference to me. I love Christmas and I love Christmas movies, but that's the difference between like a Die Hard, a movie that happens to be happening on Christmas mm-hmm. versus a Home Alone where the entire movie is about loving your family and accepting them for their faults and, Mm -hmm. uh, and just being there with them. Right. But also having great action and comedy. Exactly. Like a a Christmas thing to me needs to have Christmas values and feelings. Mm -hmm. And this movie totally, or this short totally does. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Absolutely love it. And very, very important for setup for guardians volume three. Um, so absolutely watch it. Even if you're like kind of just tuning in randomly to things in the MCU, this is one of the projects to watch. This this might this is the best Disney Plus thing that I have seen in the Marvel universe. I think in the Marvel universe, yeah, that's what, what I was about to say. Is like the the best things on Disney Plus are Andor and this, in my yeah. opinion, on like original projects. Yeah, it's, I it's, fully it's those agree. two, and I think that there's a big gap between like Loki and WandaVision next, mm-hmm. which I love. Those are great shows, but like this is incredible. And yeah. Andor's like I loved Werewolf Star by Wars. Night too. I'd throw that one in there. I thought that was perfect. Yeah, but... Werewolf by Night was really good too. I, I'm I'm about more of these like uh, standalone like short film type things. Yeah. I think that Star Wars should adopt this. Hundred percent agreed with that. Um, so yeah, that's I think that's going to wrap things up for the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Let's move on to uh, a movie that I have very mixed feelings on. Let's talk about Bones and All. This one was directed by uh, Luca Guadagnino. It stars Taylor Russell, Timothy Chalamet, Mark Rylance, Andre Holland, Chloe Sevigny, and a great scene with Michael Stuhlbarg and David Gordon Green. That, that was the standout of the movie for me. That scene was so tense. And every time Mark Rylance was on screen, he was mesmerizing in this movie. I loved him so much. Uh, Taylor Russell, again, giving an incredible performance like she did in Waves. Um, Very, very promising actor. But Timothy Chalamet seems to kind of be phoning it in in this. Um, it's, it's not, it's not great. The movie kind of meanders, which I think is purposeful because it is about, it's a road movie, um, about two lost people. Um, but it's also a great depiction of a truly, fully engrossingly toxic relationship too. And two characters that enable each other in horrific ways. Um, so if you've, somehow been living under a rock and missed what this movie is about it's about two cannibal serial killer teenagers that find each other and fall in love and go on a murderous rampage across the united states basically but it's focused on the relationship that movie sounds fun though the movie you just described to me that sounds interesting this movie was was not in my opinion. It had very boring stretches, which should yes. not be the case for a movie with the setup like this has. I just found myself when it had been a while since we'd seen Mark Rylance being like, oh man, he was really kind of kind of carrying this. For he was the heart bit. of it for yeah, me. He was, yeah, he was kind of 
doing all the work there for a little bit. Um, I don't dare I say Timothy Chalamet is giving a bad performance. Yeah, uh, I didn't like it. It didn't work for me. Um, I don't like. I didn't like hate this movie. I just thought it was yeah, like same. it was like thirty minutes too long. Definitely overlong. And it just. I kept finding myself waiting for the point or the message or the meaning in any of this, anything we are doing right now, you know, even movies that are just like dumb action movies, even the fast and furious movies, they have like a point, you know, it's family. And it's like your friends are your family and protecting one another and looking out for each other. Like there's like messages and meanings and point, you know, or like, allegories are like symbolism and i just i don't know if i'm too stupid to understand but i just like what was the point now i'm gonna i'm gonna disagree a little bit and say that movies don't always have to have a point um they can they can exist for for art's sake there's a whole surrealist film genre out there that isn't coherent um, in the yeah, traditional not, way, yeah, don't, um, don't like that. It's not for you, but but movies don't have to have a point. Sometimes they can just be a character study. Yeah, and movie, I think that's what I, this no, movie. I mean, was. a movie can have a, can be like a character study, but this movie was like a you're making a movie about this, right? And it feels like he's trying to say something uh, about the world or people, or or this is supposed to be a symbol for something else. But it's not coming through. None of it's coming the through. The message at all. is very muddled I, in this movie. Like at, at, I work with a lot of people who go to a lot of movies too that we used to work with at the theater, and I talked to them about it this week, and they were saying they were asking me like, "Do you know like why any of this was happening?" I yeah. just kept being like, "Why is this happening?" And that was just me the whole movie. I was just like, "What am I? What's See, going on here? What, what's the point?" I didn't have a problem with it being meandering. What I had a problem with is whenever it got boring. I don't have a problem with a meandering movie if that's the point and that's the vibe that you're going for. Because sometimes movies are just about a feeling. David Lynch has said multiple times, and he's my favorite director, that his his movies are not about the story. They're about the feeling that he's invoking. That's why they're very dense and strange and uh, hard to parse. Um, but I like that in movies. And... I didn't feel challenged by this movie. I felt bored by it whenever it yep. was meandering. It, it, it was that's the biggest sin to the movie is that it is boring at times, and you just you can't when your movie's like over two hours long, you can't bore me. Yeah, I fully wholeheartedly agree. Um, if you are a fan of uh, Mark Rylance, I think that this movie will be worth checking out on streaming, mm-hmm. but. It was. I'm glad I didn't pay for a full price ticket for it. I think that this would be worth checking out because I'm sure that you can find something that I'm not seeing in it. Because it, the whole time I'm like, this is good, right? Like it is well. It's so well shot, and like the acting is solid. And the other score than Timothy, from Trent Atticus. The score is yeah. beautiful. The the set design is so good and these little rooms and little houses and gas stations and stuff it's just real like the, the very the lo- 90s americana lo- the locations yeah. it's all just so good right but i'm just like what is he saying why are we here what's going on why is timothy chalamet making these choices in his acting performance like yeah yeah like are they going to learn something is the point that they don't i just like i was just so it, it just felt hollow. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's a good word for it for sure um so yeah that's all the thoughts that i have on bones and all um maybe check it out on streaming if you like mark rylance and you like timothy chalamet even though you're going to be let down by his performance probably mm -hmm. um yeah let's talk about another movie that uh we saw the same week that i absolutely adored and had a spot in my top 10 is now at number 11 because of another movie that we saw uh but we're going to talk about the banshees of anna sharon this one comes out on hbo max on uh the 13th of december so uh be sure to check it out it's going to be coming out right after this episode is released um fuck man uh martin mcdonough director of three billboards outside of ebbing missouri uh seven psychopaths and my personal favorite in bruges boyfriend uh, to um, phoebe waller bridge yes he he is unbelievable i love this film director i love this writer he is just a 10 out of 10 in both categories in my book the dialogue that this guy writes is so goddamn funny and biting and mean and cruel but there's also sadness and heart and love and all of these just raw emotions in all of his scripts that are brought to life by stellar performances across every movie that he's made. This man brought out arguably the best that Colin Farrell has ever been in his career in my book. Um, and I am a huge Colin Farrell fan. I love Colin Farrell. Um, he is a sad, heartbroken, just fuck of a man in this movie um he doesn't understand what people are trying to say to him because he is so set in his ways um this is a deeply flawed character as is every character in this movie except for carrie condon's character who is a saint and gives one of the best performances in this movie as well it's just 10 out of 10 performances across the board from colin farrell brendan gleason carrie condon and barry keown um those are the main people in this movie a very small cast because this takes place on a very small remote island in ireland um and it is about two friends who one day are not friends um and one man is trying to understand why the other man is trying to move on from their friendship so this movie is actually the exact inverse of bones and all right because mm -hmm. bones and all is a movie about cannibal serial killing teenagers that doesn't actually have any meaning or purpose or like point as far as i saw this is the opposite of that because this is just a movie about a dude is like i'm not your friend anymore mm -hmm. that's the movie that is yeah. literally there is nothing else that's the plot right that is the plot of the film so not much going on there but the inside of it, it is filled with meaning and purpose and messaging and subtleties. And it's just, it's fucking art, man. To make mm -hmm. a movie where you have like, like I don't know, five actors and like 30 extras and mm -hmm. on this island. And the plot is just, I'm not your friend anymore. Why not? And you have this and just taking a beautiful that, taking that to the nth degree though. Yes, just yeah. this beautiful emotional journey, like with these incredible characters that are like go through so much development. And I, I was just, I was just blown away by the how he was. It's a, it's a it's a magic trick how he was able to make a movie that that's all the plot is. That's the entire thing, and it's just. 
uh, an emotional journey and it is funny. It's so fucking funny, dude. I was laughing out loud so much. Yeah. The acting's amazing. The music's amazing. Uh, I, I loved this movie. And the more I think about it, the more I love it. As time goes on, the further I get away from it, the more I remember about it, the more I love it. That's the sign of a great, great piece of cinema. Is 100% agreed. You get further away from it and you start thinking of it more positively. Craving a second watch. Yeah. You said it's coming to, to HBO yeah. Max in a couple of days. Yeah, from man. This I, the second that's available, I'm rewatching it. I, Definitely. I had a blast. I just thought I was, again, it's it's honestly a miracle that he was able to fit so much into something that seemingly is nothing almost. Mm-hmm. It, with with especially with how complex the stories are in his other films. Yeah. Um this is easily the most stripped down bear that he's ever been as a filmmaker and it works so well. I want to see him make more movies like this. And it is a visual feast for nature lovers. If mm-hmm. you are a fan of like hillsides and beaches and all of the things that come along with an Irish island it is white cliffs beautiful absolutely beautiful breathtakingly shot Um, this is one of the best films of the year easily Um, I I need to reassess my list it was it was at number nine and then another movie we saw bumped it down to number 10 and then another movie we saw bumped it down to 11 but that's not to say that this isn't a masterpiece in my book because We've had that many great movies this year. It's I can't wait for us to do a year-end wrap-up in January and just talk about all the films that came out over the course of 2022 because, goddamn, this has been an amazing year for film. And Banshees of Inisherin is hands down one of the best of the best that came out this year in my book. And I just got to say again, Colin Farrell, man, he is he's this guy that he shows up and you're like, is that Colin Farrell? Oh, wait, yeah, that's Colin Farrell. And then five seconds later, you don't remember who Colin Farrell is. He's mm-hmm. that character. And he's Every had, fucking time. He's had three films come out this year that were, like, critically lauded mm-hmm. with massively different performances. I still haven't seen After Yang, but I hear it is incredible. I think mm-hmm. it's got, like, a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes and a very high audience score as well. Um, and it's an A24 movie, so I, I don't know how I missed this one. Uh, but yeah, Colin Farrell, he's had, he had this film, he had After Yang, and he had The Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's getting his own spinoff of The Batman. I cannot wait to watch an entire series about his Penguin character because it's incredible. Uh, but as incredible as The Penguin was, I think his performance in this movie is that much better. Um, it's it's incredible. He, he is pathetic. Pathetic is the only word that I can think of for this character. He just fully is someone else when he's acting. Like, seriously. Like, in the same way, and this might sound insane, but in the same way that Daniel Day-Lewis shows up, and you're mm-hmm. like, that's not Daniel Day-Lewis, that is Daniel Plainview, yeah. right? You you do the same thing with Colin Farrell. I've been doing it, like, for years now. It's like, he, it's not Colin Farrell. He's the character he's playing fully. Yeah. Every single time he's batting 100, even if, even if the movie he's in isn't great. He is so committed and so good at what he does that he mm-hmm. makes you forget how shitty a movie that he's in is sometimes. Mm-hmm. So go watch Ben Affleck's Daredevil, and every time that Bullseye pops up, it's like, yeah. oh, where is this movie? I want this movie. But 
yeah, Colin Farrell, can't say enough good things about him. I can't believe we haven't talked about Brendan Gleeson. Um, Brendan <laughs> Gleeson is, again, at one of his best performances in his entire career in this movie. My probably, personal favorite will always be Paddington 2. Uh, probably the funniest he's ever been. Easily the funniest he's ever been. And in Bruges, he's hilarious. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I love it. He is incredible. He plays the violin incredibly in this movie, and it's very obviously him playing. Um, man everyone in this Barry Keoghan playing an absolute creep as always mm-hmm. um, but this time he's got a little more sympathy to him than he, than the typical creep that he plays um, another guy starred in the Batman with Colin Farrell completely transformed um, wow man that's all I can say about this movie watch the Banshees of Anna Sharon as soon as it hits HBO Max you will not be disappointed It's it's got universal appeal I think so let's talk about another movie that I think has universal appeal uh, Steven Spielberg's latest, The Fablemans, which is playing in theaters right now. Uh, this one stars Gabrielle LaBelle, Michelle Williams, Paul Dano, Seth Rogen, Julia Butters, and Judd Hirsch. Um, wow. I I could ramble about this movie for hours, so I want Blake to lead off and ta- talk to us about what he thinks of Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. So let's just get this out of the way. This is, it's the best movie that he's made since Munich. Yeah, um, agreed. Some people might think that it's better than Munich. I personally wouldn't put it above that, but I think it's like it's it is up there with like it's in the top ten Spielbergs, which is crazy, right? It's in my top five Spielbergs. Oh wow, um, I I really really enjoyed this movie. I wish it was a little bit longer. Um, the kid, both the younger version and like the version that we see like throughout the rest of the movie incredible man nobody knows how to pick like a child actor like steven spielberg man he's the greatest of the greatest of the great at that yeah uh, i mean ke kwan right uh henry thomas henry thomas man one of the greatest auditions of all time if you've never seen that audition he just like he steven spielberg has this amazing talent uh to know talent before we do right yeah and introduce the world to it. Uh, just and amazing. also to utilize talent that we're familiar with in an entirely new way yeah. that gives incredible, mm-hmm. incredible results. Uh, Paul Dano is great in this movie. The acting across the board is great. The score is fantastic. Uh, I loved the story. I loved when it was set. I loved that it wasn't just like a biopic, right? It, it was almost fictional in a way. Um, it's obviously like based on his life and everything, but there's just something about it that feels like fictional, right? It's a different name and everything. It's just like this moment in his life. For those that don't know, The Fablemans is a semi-autobiographical film by Spielberg about his childhood and why he fell in love with film and his journey to becoming a filmmaker. Uh, after watching like the, the HBO documentary and as many behind-the-scenes videos as I possibly could about Steven Spielberg, it was just... It was so great to see this story like done in a narrative way. You know who really steals the show is Michelle Williams. Uh, I guess you could just make that a blanket statement every year in December. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a movie that comes out where she's the best part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the best performances, maybe the best performance I've ever seen her give. Definitely. Um, she absolutely should in my opinion, be a 100% no contest lock for Best Supporting Actress in, in a movie this year. 
you would think that that's the category they're submitting her in. They're submitting her as lead actress. I she's did. not going to beat Michelle Yeoh, I think. No, you're not beating Michelle Yeoh. And Michelle will win, but it won't be Michelle Williams. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I just, I love her so much. I forget that I love her until December rolls around and then she's in two or three Oscar movies. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh yeah, she's like one of the best actors on the planet. She knows how to pick a project, man. Yeah, uh, I, her and Bradley Cooper, it's like they just pop up in December all over the place in these Oscar movies. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah. Yeah, I forgot that they're like the best actors. <laughs> yeah, it's um, awesome. Seth Rogen's Seth Rogen's really, really good in this movie. Career um, dramatic best easily. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I don't think I loved it as much as you did. Mm. Uh, it's like just outside of my top ten, I would say. Um, just because I just felt I just wanted, I wanted more, uh, I guess, and. Uh, Maybe it's just because I know so much about his life and his story and everything that it just felt a little bit like uh, maybe in the back of my mind. Like an abbreviated re- version or something. Yeah, an abbreviated version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I just – I was really blown away mostly by Michelle Williams and by the, the kid. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't know his name. Gabriel LaBelle. Just, I mean, give him everything, dude. Yeah. <laughs> kids, oh, my God. Kids get nominated. Breakout performance of the year. Yeah. Yeah, he is incredible. Everyone in this movie is incredible. Judd Hirsch is in the movie for maybe three minutes, and he absolutely steals almost the whole movie. Um, There's also another cameo at the very end of the movie that was very near and dear to my heart. Um, I won't ruin it for for people who might be fans of of his work. Um, But wow, man, this movie just blew me away. I love movies about movies. And this was the ultimate movie about movies because you have the ultimate filmmaker, Steven Spielberg, the ultimate movie lover, the ultimate movie maker, revisiting what made him want to do what he does. And at the same time, he is showing us why he is the best by having multiple callbacks to his work and and shots that are identical to E.T. whenever they're riding bikes, shots that are identical to Saving Private Ryan. just the list goes on and on and on. Um, you see why he loves film in such a clear way that even people who don't love film and aren't diehard movie fanatics could easily understand and see why someone would love film on this level. Um, the opening sequence with the child version of him seeing the greatest show on earth um, is beautiful the car ride home you see that the face is just filled with combination of fear and wonder because Mm -hmm. he doesn't understand what he just saw to the point that his dad has to explain to him okay it's a series of pictures that are in a row it's it's an incredible scene where you see something take seed and that love that is planted and nourished by his mother played by michelle williams is just an a beautiful thing to see and it this is a deeply dysfunctional family um but it's also a deeply loving family a deep feeling family they they feel in this family for sure every emotion um this movie is so relatable to the core for people like us that are obsessed with movies that we had that moment that, yeah. that that opening scene of like him driving back in the conversation in the car the look on his face that's my favorite part of that whole movie because mm-hmm. i felt that dude like we were talking we were talking about treasure planet before like i can remember that's one of the earliest movies i remember seeing like in a theater just being like this is a thing yeah what we can get more of this you know there's just like you have those moments right it was like that and then like 
the first Lord of the Rings. I'll never forget seeing that. And then mm-hmm. you have that, oh my God, movies can be this? We can do that with movies? It's just that, like, wonder, right? And he just captures that wonder in this movie. There's the kid, the younger kid, so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good without saying anything. And this, the the biggest word that comes to mind whenever I think of this movie is passion. This is a movie about passion and in life and family and in love in art ultimately and the speech that Judd Hirsch gives that monologue that he gives uh, in in uh, Gabriel LaBelle's bedroom is one of the best pieces of writing that I've seen all year I think um, I was floored by this I didn't think Spielberg could pull something like this out of his hat again um, with how kind of dwindling things have been from him in the past couple of years. I know you're a huge Ready Player One mm-hmm. fan, but I think it's a deeply flawed film. Um, I, as I, fun I, as it I, is. I mean, I don't care. Master Chief and like Tracer are in it. And, and Battletoads. And the Battletoads. <laughs> and then the fucking Mecha Godzilla fights a Gundam. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? I don't care if the movie's And the Iron flawed. Giant's there. I, I do not give a shit how flawed your movie is. You had Iron <laughs> a three-way fight between Iron Giant, a Gundam, and Mecha Godzilla. Yeah. And Tracer and Master Chief fought uh, Marcus from Gears. Like, <laughs> I don't give a shit, man. <laughs> that's the that's the coolest show I've ever seen. <laughs> now, what do you feel about the BFG? The BFG? Yeah. Uh, I actually really enjoyed BFG, to be honest with you. I, I think the the it looks the the visual style and the CGI of it and the designs are like exactly like the book, and I definitely remember that book very but clearly. But think about. Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then think about oh, the I mean, BFG. you can't, yeah, you just, I mean, you can't compare like you know Jaws and Close Encounters and all that stuff. You can't put them in the same conversation, right? You've been saying that since Saving Private Ryan in Munich, right? Yeah. Everyone's been saying that since then, right? I know a lot of people like like Minority Report and like there's a there's peaks, right? Minority Report came out before Munich. Yeah. Okay, well, it's like that that range is usually what people go back to of like, oh, well, mm-hmm. that was back the last time that he was good was back then, right? Two thousand five with Munich, yeah. This is as good as. Munich and it and some of his other movies that you would put in that category. I think. Yeah, yeah, and that's why this is top tier Spielberg for me. Is it captures all of the things that makes Spielberg great, that makes him the greatest movie maker that there is. Um, he is just at the top of his game in this movie. Um, I can't sing its praises enough. Uh, this is an absolute must-see. This is going to be nominated across the board for every award, I think. Um, it, it, it's probably not going to win anything, I don't think, besides maybe if there's a Dark Horse winner with Michelle Williams. Um, but it absolutely deserves the accolades that it's gotten, and it ap- absolutely deserves to be recognized by award shows and by mm. critics and by fans. So I actually... Uh don't think that i think that it is a lock for best picture it you really a, think so yes it is a steven spielberg film about films about him right mm-hmm. uh everything everywhere is i'm sorry it's just too weird to win best picture i don't think it's gonna happen so it's people gonna said be the, the same wins. thing about parasite people did say the same thing about parasite i was very shocked when that happened yeah <laughs> Uh, I will be very shocked if Everything Everywhere wins. If, I will if a be movie too, with, but I, I, I'm rooting for it. A that. movie with Hot Dog Fingers and Rakakuni mm-hmm. winning Best Picture over a Spiel, Spielberg's best movie since the 90s yeah. about him and movies. Like, it, it's going to win Best Picture. You don't make a movie about movies and not win Best Picture. <laughs>
<laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. So, uh, yeah, Blake, any final thoughts on The Fablemans? Just, uh, again, Spielberg got t- two of the great child performances out of unknowns. Uh, yeah. Again, for the pff, who knows how many times. Time, yeah. yeah. And Michelle Williams is giving maybe the best performance of her career. Yeah. It's directed so well with such focus and determination and it doesn't feel like him making a studio movie mm-hmm. like the last few have felt um it, it, it's so good it's yeah. so fucking good yeah i couldn't have said it better myself uh yeah that's the fablemans playing in theaters right now uh maybe go see that if uh, avatar sold out on christmas it, it will be yeah <laughs> Avatar sold out like all weekend at our theater. Yeah, it's insane. You like trying to get tickets to it is is fucked up. I'm so glad that we got in whenever we did. We got middle of the theater, like middle of the front section, dead center seats in Dolby 3D. Shit's going to be insane. Yeah. So like our theater just got a new IMAX projector for Avatar, literally yeah. for this movie. And so got the IMAX 3D tickets laser. didn't go on sale until like two days ago. They finally dropped the IMAX tickets for availability, and all weekend, IMAX is, like, fully sold out. Yeah, it's insanity. <laughs> the second they went on sale. Yeah, it's... <laughs> James Cameron knows what he's doing, man. Yeah, he knows, he knows what he's doing. Everyone, everyone can keep doubting him, and Twitter people can still be like, yeah, but what's the main, the main character's first name? You don't know the main character's name. I, bro, nobody gives a fuck. Everyone else in the world loves that movie. Yeah. It's. I used to be a hater, and then I was. I was turned around whenever I saw it in in a 4K IMAX uh, 3D. That shit was insane. Um, we're going to be talking about that in the next episode of You've Got to See This, along with Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. A little and, preview there. And in honor of the movie being like four hours long, that podcast will be four hours long. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk. We're going to get into Avatar. Uh, we're also going to be doing an Avatar recast at the end of this year, also, mm-hmm. which is going to be really fun. Uh, but that doesn't wrap things up on the main feature because we still have my favorite movie that we saw over the past couple of weeks to talk about. That is director Mark Mylod's The Menu. Uh, the Menu is unbelievable. Uh, this movie absolutely blew my mind. Uh, it was maybe the funniest movie of the year. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any movie that made me laugh harder. It's either that or Bros. There were several moments in What are we talking about? Weird. Weird's the funniest movie of the year. (laughs) Um, But this, I actually have Weird is number six on my list and the menu is at number seven. So, and then Bodies, Bodies, Bodies at eight. We've got uh, some hilarious movies with very different types of humor in them. Um, so the menu, uh, this one stars Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt, uh, Rafe Fine, and one of his best roles uh, in recent memory. Since Voldemort, this might be my favorite Rafe Fine performance. Um, along with John Leguizamo, Hong Chao, um, Arturo Castro. There's a bunch of really great character actors in this movie. Um, Blake, how do we talk about the menu without giving anything away? So... Um... Mark Mylod comes from television, uh, not just any television. He comes from Succession. Suck, suck. Uh, in my opinion, the best television show that is on. It is the best show since Breaking Bad has ended. Yeah, it's it. it's either that or Severance. I, I Succession is a or the perfect bear. 
perfect television show. Yeah. Every episode is so good. It's incredible. The type of humor and energy that Mark Mylod is able to get across in his uncomfortable, very real it's uncomfortable because it's so real because you've been in situations like that we've mm-hmm. all known people like nicholas holt in this movie right basic setup a bunch of rich assholes go to an island for an exclusive dinner and nicholas holt plays the worst foodie you've ever experienced in your life yeah the type of guy who's using like mouthfeel and palate like those kind of <laughs> words you know it's like just like go fuck yourself dude like, go you know order a pizza and calm down um yeah i can't really get into like specifics with like the story and stuff like that but i just thought this movie was so original so unique uh from someone who has spent my half of my life in a kitchen uh in the service industry cooking for rich white people who hate every who hate me um i very much related to this character (laughs) um uh it kind of felt uh morbidly um cathartic for me to go through this movie experience because it is so satisfying um to see how this broken down chef uh retaliates to his clientele his rich upper class clientele yeah um some great other actors in this. John Leguizamo is oh, so funny. He's in this so movie. goddamn funny. Apparently, he based his character on Steven Seagal. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that makes so much sense, dude. Um, I love movies that take place almost entirely in one room, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and in real time. Yeah. It is so unexpected. That's why I'm trying to not talk about it very much, but it is so unexpected. It takes Uh, a hard left, like, 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah, and even then, even when that happens, you're still going to be going, what? It just zigs and zags and zigs and zags, Uh and it's so funny, and it's so fucked up, and it's scary, and it's intense, Mm -hmm. and there's just character actors giving it their 100% all. Mm -hmm. It has everything that makes a pulpy original movie great. The script. Absolutely. Oh my god, it's airtight. airtight. It's fucking perfect, man. This movie is sensational. Like, yeah. it, it is it is wholly original too that's the thing we're like we all get mad they're just make remaking disney movies and they're making the, the 85th marvel movie and oh they're rebooting batman again and you can complain about that all you want but you don't get to complain about that and not see the menu yes absolutely this is such an original take on a tried and true eat the rich story it's not even like anything else yeah i cannot compare this movie to anything you know the last time i had a movie like that what everything everywhere all at once you know the last time i had a movie before that sorry to bother you yeah damn those three movies are incomparable you can't even say it's like this yeah no they are they are wholly original and unique the the, there is nothing like the menu that i have ever seen the the themes like i said the themes that it plays on have been done over and over and over again but never in this way with such a sharp wit and uh genuinely great filmmaking just from mark mark mylod it's it's shot beautifully the the score is great the cinematography is top notch in this movie specifically the lighting work that's done Mm -hmm. in this movie is fantastic because of the 
setup and where they are, I can imagine that it's hard to get that type of environment across on film. And it was especially nailed. at night for the majority of the film too. That's what I'm saying. It's 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 it is very very impressive to me how they were able to actually make it feel like the dining area of a kitchen mm-hmm. and look like it with the lighting because that's really hard to get. Um, cooking movies are very hit or miss any movie that like the food is the main uh ingredient if you will Mm -hmm. uh this might be one of the best food movies ever made dude like uh, it's up there with it's better than chef yeah i'm trying to like it's better than burnt it's better it's not it's it's better than big night it's not quite up to like ratatouille but like yeah it's close like it's up there it is it's worth talking about in the same sentence for sure yeah um yeah, I just I, I thought it was amazing. Um, I also really like that. Like my Twitter review of it is the most liked and retweeted social media review for this movie. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> Which is pretty cool. Uh, but what I said in that is how I'm going to end this review. This movie is perfect. The script is airtight from appetizer to dessert, and that is a pun, but it's also not. Yeah, it, so, and it's. It absolutely it, it, it once you see the movie you'll know what he's talking about because the movie starts with an appetizer and it ends with just the sweetest ending that it possibly could the end with. The sweetest dessert. Yes, you it's, could possibly end with. It is so perfect. It is so fucking perfect. I loved it. Can't wait to see it again. I've seen it twice in theaters. The second it drops on home release, I'm buying that shit. You better believe it. Yeah, uh, and so one of my friends who has not been to the movie theater in years uh, went to the theater to see this movie because I kept talking about it and he said it's one of his favorite movies of all time yeah Uh, everyone needs to go see this movie this is the new sorry to bother you for me where I'm not going to shut up about it for years and I'm going to make everyone I meet watch it with me because <laughs> I have to everything everywhere we got both of those in the same year yeah man it's it's wild the, those are honestly everything everywhere uh, RRR, this Marcel the Shell, and just I mean, what a year! I I think that honestly though, like going back and I was on my letterbox and reshuffling things and thinking about things and this movie and everything everywhere and RRR are my top three because nice. they aren't like anything I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I I completely understand that argument. Um, it's it's incredible. There's no other word for it. It's incredible. Um, I think that's going to wrap things up for the menu unless you got one final thought. I just want to say, Ray Fine, I didn't think you could possibly get better. This is my favorite Ray Fine role. Yeah, it's it is up there with Voldemort and his Schindler's List character. Like he is uh, he's yep. incredible in all of those. Uh, but this might be his finest performance. Mm-hmm. it's it's brilliant. It's inspired. It's hysterically biting. and it's original mm-hmm. fully in it every sense of the word original yeah yeah like you said can't compare it to anything it's great um i think that's gonna wrap things up for this week's episode uh be sure to tune into the recast cast feed next week whenever we tackle christmas classic home alone um that's gonna be an absolute blast i can't wait to share my uh, my cast with you guys and hear what blake is casting for his favorite christmas movie of all time yep. um we're also gonna pepper in some characters from home alone to lost in new york uh which is gonna be really fun 
Uh, and then be sure to tune into the You've Got to See This feed the following week where we're going to be tackling Avatar The Way of Water and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Dude, you're all, you guys are spoiled. On the next episode, you're going to get a James Cameron and a Guillermo del Toro in the same episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's going to be unbelievable. We only have two movies to talk about then, and we're I'm sure it's going to be just as long as this one was. You only get a James Cameron every 11 years. Exactly. <laughs> And Del Toro puts one out every year, but it's always worth talking about. Absolutely every single time. The guy is incredible. And this looks to be no exception to that. Uh, in the meantime, before those episodes come out, give us a follow on social media at Blake Robert Perry, at Brad underscore Film 6, at You've Got to See This Pod. Be sure to follow Careful for Spoilers for all of your entertainment needs at C4 Spoilers. Subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and we'll see you next time around.